Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The struggle today is much more difficult. It's more difficult today because we are struggling now for genuine equality. The truth is, no one of us can be free until everybody is free. We must say, wake up, America, wake up, for we cannot stop, and we will not and cannot be patient. We must hold everyone from the highest offices to our own families accountable for racist words and deeds and call racism what it is, wrong. The voices of the centuries-long fight for racial justice in America. Hello, everyone. I'm CNN senior political reporter Nia Malika Henderson. Welcome to Politically Sound. As Black History Month comes to an end, and as part of our look at Biden's first 100 days in office, we wanted to focus this episode on the ongoing struggle for racial equity in America. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. During a year of unprecedented turmoil, a protest movement that grew out of the killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and countless others swept the nation. It is a movement that served as the backdrop for an incoming administration, one that is making promises about tackling racial inequity head on. The African-American community stood up again for me. But promises have been made before, and systemic racism is not easily removed from society. Home value disparities, health care disparities, life expectancy disparities, police violence, voter suppression efforts, all of these things are as big a problem today as they have been for decades. For many activists like Mary Hooks, Biden's promises ring hollow. When Biden made that speech about having the backs of Black community, now that we've had his for so long, I think that it was lip service at best. Now, a big question on the minds of millions is, will real change finally be made? And if so, how? Today, I'm joined by White House Senior Advisor Cedric Richmond to try to answer those questions and to discuss the Biden administration's promises, plans, and challenges to fighting systemic racism and building a more equitable future. So it's time to tune out the noise and tune in to what's politically sound. Cedric Richmond, Senior Advisor to the President, Director of the White House Office of Public Engagement, and I have no expertise. (laughs) (laughs) That's Cedric Richmond, and of course, he's kidding about having no expertise. He's the former chair of the Congressional Black Caucus and represented New Orleans in the House of Representatives for a decade. He spoke with me about the president's racial equity agenda and his role in it. The president 
on day one enacted a whole of government executive order. And I think that he set the tone that he is going to be very serious about making sure that this is a thread that runs through the fabric of government, especially his administration. So I will be there to help where I'm needed, but to make sure that people understand how serious he is about uh, racial equity. And you all use the phrase racial equity rather than racial equality. What is the difference between equality and equity? The best description that shows the difference is that it's a cartoon I saw where it's three people trying to look over the fence. One person was 6'5 and could look over the fence. The other person was 5'6, so they needed a little step stool to be able to see over it. Then the other person was three feet tall, so they needed a much larger step stool to look over the fence. And it's whatever we need to get to that person so that they are in an equitable fashion to everybody else. That commitment to racial equity is something that this administration has pledged to use as a guiding principle in implementing their agenda. Equity suggests that we take into account that people start out in different places and we want everyone to have equal access to opportunity. So this is a very big principle as it relates to to this issue and so many others in the way that the president thinks. On President Biden's first day in office, he signed an executive order that directed federal agencies to review their actions to ensure racial equity. But some activists are expecting more. Here's Mary Hooks, a member of Southerners on New Ground and the Movement for Black Lives. People sacrificed a lot to get him in office. And so we want the same level of urgency and the same level of rigor in which people came to the polls, and we expect him and Kamala Harris to do the same thing and not do it and then just turn around and give us crumbs. But others, like Melanie Campbell, who is the president and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation and convener of the Black Women's Roundtable, are more hopeful. I'm cautiously optimistic that this is a president and a vice president and an administration that's attempting to look like, not just by skin color, but by the kinds of policies they've at least given voice to. Now we have to make it happen. So I asked Mr. Richmond exactly what the Biden administration has done in the month they've been in office to tackle this priority. Well, we've done a couple of things. One, the executive order on day one, but then we came back the next week and we did another executive order to direct HUD to analyze the department, the agency, and look where there has been systemic barriers to home ownership and affordable housing for people of color and break those down because we know that home ownership is a way to transfer wealth, pull the equity out, start a business, pay for your kids to go to college. And we know from history that executive orders can be undone. How do you make these changes permanent with something like an executive order when somebody can just come in and change it to the next administration? Well, the things that can be done by legislation, we would certainly hope that the Congress, uh, being in control of Democrats, that they will go ahead and do it. But President Biden just wasn't willing to wait. If it was lawful for him to issue executive order, that's what he did, because he wanted to make sure that he started on day one. And the other part that was important was for him to signal that I made this promise, I'm serious about this promise, and I'm going to do what it takes to keep this promise. 
But working with Congress is not going to be easy. With the Senate currently tied, the administration must work with Republicans in order to get the job done. And the Republican Party doesn't share the same concerns about systemic racism as the Democrats. In August, a CNN poll found that only 22% of Republicans called racism a big problem in our society today. And that's an attitude that's reflected by many Republicans on Capitol Hill in reaction to the administration's commitment to racial equity. If you read his speech and listen to it carefully, much of it is thinly veiled innuendo calling us white supremacists, calling us racist. How about if you say that America has racists in it, just like everybody else, just like everywhere else? Does that make America systemically racist? So given that, I asked Mr. Richmond how Biden plans on actually working with Congress. Well, look, the numbers that we have show somewhere around uh, 60, 70 percent of the country support us dealing with racial equity. The country is ready for it. But I don't want to underestimate the power of the presidency and having a president that ran on restoring the soul of the country and uniting America. And this country bought into it. And so we think we have the opportunity. The president thinks he has the mandate. And at the end of the day, what he really believes is the right thing to do. Experts will tell you that the yawning divide between the wealth of Black and white Americans is one of the biggest factors in the perpetuation of systemic racism. A recent study found that white households have, on average, seven times more wealth than Black households. And as of last year, white households had 84% of the wealth, while Black households had just 4%. Those are staggering numbers, so I wanted to know what the Biden White House plans to do about them. Well, I think that's why you see us focus so much on home ownership. But the other part you will see is that we're going to invest like crazy into our HBCUs that trains most of our doctors, our lawyers, our teachers from the African-American community. So we're going to tackle it from a bunch of different angles, but all with the same goal of trying to empower the African-American and the Hispanic community and others to really chart their own future. And here's the difference. This is the other thing we're going to do. We're going to include those communities in the decision-making process. Mr. Richmond also told me about how the administration plans to use their COVID relief bill to try to attack the structural racism in the economy, something that many Republicans point to when they're critical of the bill. If you look at our American Rescue Plan, it would lift 34 percent of African-Americans out of poverty. It would lift 40 percent of Hispanic Americans out of poverty. It would provide $400 a week for the one out of 11 black and brown people that are unemployed right now. And then if you look at the child tax credit and the earned income tax credit that we have implemented, those are examples of being very intentional about lifting people out of poverty and targeting resources to black and brown people to help them, you know, get ahead. But while there may be opportunity in the COVID recovery bill, the virus has decimated communities of color. So I asked Mr. Richmond about how the rollout of the vaccine has been affected by systemic racism. Look, I'm not sure if you would describe it as systemic racism, but it's definitely been a disproportionate effect on black and brown people. And so when you look at the vaccine, 
We need to make sure it gets to every community. So that's why we, as an administration, decided to send a million a week to pharmacies because they're in almost every community. And then just last week, we decided to send a million to community health centers because we know community health centers are in those neighborhoods that we were really trying to reach. When we come back, we'll talk about how the administration is planning on dealing with some of the other major equity policy proposals like voting rights, police reform, and reparations. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. We're seeing more and more Republican-controlled legislatures in states like Arizona, Georgia, and Iowa aiming to roll back voting access after losing the 2020 election. Here are Melanie and Mary again. Now it's become some partisan issue to vote because you don't like the results. And so therefore you change the rules and change the laws so that your party can have a better advantage. There needs to be a way for them to prevent states like Georgia and others from rolling out these ridiculous voter suppression tactics. States that enact those type of policies should feel the weight and the heat of that. Voter suppression of Americans of color is as old as the country itself. So I wanted to know what the Biden administration plans on doing to protect and to expand voting rights. The Justice Department will enforce civil and voting rights across this country. And so as you see Republican-led legislatures running in to pass laws that would disproportionately hurt people of color because they didn't like the election results— then the courts have to get involved. And we can't be afraid to go to court and to challenge those things. And if you think about our history, a lot of the gains we made in this country was through the courts. And so uh, I think that we will look at all avenues to protect voting rights. And so we're going to take it to the Hill. I think it was the seventh day in office. He called for the John Lewis Voting Rights Act to be passed by the House and the Senate. The John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act is a bill in Congress right now named after the congressman and civil rights icon who died last year. But as President Obama noted in his eulogy of Lewis, for many, it doesn't go far enough. You want to honor John? Let's honor him by revitalizing the law that he was willing to die for. And by the way... Naming it the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, that is a fine tribute. But John wouldn't want us to stop there. 
the bill is aimed at restoring protections in the original Voting Rights Act that the Supreme Court gutted in 2013 by mainly bringing back and modernizing what's called preclearance. The process where states that have a history of discrimination must clear changes to voting laws with the Department of Justice. But President Biden has promised to have a Justice Department on the forefront of this push for equity, not only in the enforcement of the Voting Rights Act, but also when it comes to policing. One of President Biden's major promises is creating a National Police Oversight Committee within its first 100 days. I asked Mr. Richmond if that effort is already underway and when we'll see some results. Look, you will, you will see some action from the president. Uh, this is an issue that's important to him. But, you know, part of the thing is we shouldn't necessarily uh, wait on uh, a commission or anything else. Uh, there's action that could be done in both the House and the Senate. When I was in the Congress, we voted on the George Floyd Act. So you still have other tools out there. The president wants to look at all of that, but make no mistake about it, he is absolutely concerned and focused on making sure that policing in this country is constitutional, that black and brown people are not dying uh, at the hands of the police, especially unarmed, that we do something about chokeholds and other things. So this is something that is absolutely on our radar. This week, Democratic lawmakers reintroduced a resolution calling for the formation of the U.S. Commission of Truth, Racial Healing, and Transformation, which would aim to examine and to address the nation's history of systemic racism and the disenfranchisement of Black people. But there's another legislative commission that has garnered headlines the past few years, H.R. 40, and that's a bill that would create a commission to study reparations. During the campaign, That's something that President Biden said he would support. I asked Mr. Richmond if that's still the case. Yeah, look, if the president said he would support it, then that means he will sign it. But he also said on the campaign, I think this is an important part, that we can't wait for a commission to be formed. We can't wait for a commission to come back with solutions. We have to do things right now to break down systemic racism, try to level the playing field, invest in black and brown communities, and that we should not wait on a commission. And is it your sense, Cedric, that at some point Americans might get tired of talking about racial equity? You know, I mean, we've seen throughout the last 10 or 15 years, there might be some sort of racial flashpoint, racial unrest, and then something happens, the government acts or they form a commission or people start paying attention to diversity, but then people kind of get tired of it. Do you fear that kind of backlash, that kind of fatigue setting in when it comes to conversations about racial equity? And if so, what do you do about it? Look, I think that the George Floyd moment was our modern day, either Bloody Sunday or Goodman, Cheney and Schwerner down in Philadelphia, Mississippi. I think it shocked the conscience of this country and people want us to deal with it. And I think the hope is that we go bold, we go big and we go intentional so that we really make some strides towards uh, racial equity in this country. But yeah, if the question is, at some point, someday, will people have racial equity fatigue? I would assume yes, Uh, but that generally will be people who are doing well and who are not affected by uh, racial equity. And there are many people in this country that see it every day, besides the millions of people who have to deal with it. What we've seen under President uh, Trump was that he pitted poor white America against black America, that if you're white and you're poor, 
it's because black and brown people are jumping the line and taking resources that should be for you. We're not going to take that approach. We're going to educate everybody. We're going to try to help everybody. There's no reason in the world we can't help a poor rural white person and an urban poor African-American or Hispanic person. And do you think when it's all said and done, after four years or eight years of of a Biden term, do you think he will have done more to combat systemic racism than President Obama did? Well, the goal is not to do more than President Obama. The goal is to do more than any president that has held the office. That is a very ambitious goal for President Biden, but it's a real goal. And I think that we're in a space and a time And because of the opportunity, I think we're going to have the ability to do that. I think the country is ready for that. And so that's our goal. Cedric, it's been so great to talk to you today. Good luck going forward. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Politically Sound. Thanks for listening. If you could please take a few minutes to give us a rating and a review. And if you're listening for the first time, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you get our latest episode each week delivered right to you. Politically Sound is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Will Cadigan and Mimi Mutesa. Haley Thomas is our senior producer. Raj Makija is the senior production manager. And Francisco Monroy is our engineer. David Toledo is the team's production assistant. A special thanks to Allison Park for her help on this episode. The executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. We will see y'all next week. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.